the Talking Footy podcast returning for 2019 on the eve of the AFLW season, Nigel Carmody, and a pleasure to be joined by three people who are going to have a major say in the third incarnation of the competition, New North Melbourne coach Scott Gowans, Melbourne midfielder Lily Miffin, and New Geelong Ruckman. Well, they're all New Geelong players in Astro O'Connor. Guys, thanks so much for your time, and Astro, I might start with you. You're now a cat, you were a bulldog. Uh, a lot's happened in your three years in the competition. Yeah, cat dog. I suppose you could say. Um, but no, really good down at the Cattery, really enjoying my time there. Um, so I haven't hit any traffic yet. A little bit of Westgate roadworks late at night, but apart from that, no, it's really good down there. Real first world problems. Uh, <laughs> I want to ask all three of you, you've been involved in the competition across its first two years. Asta, what's your favourite fan moment that you can recall across oh, the first question. 14 games? Good question, Nige. Um, I think for me personally, it was running out round one at Witten. 10,000 people there on a on a Saturday night and you could just feel the adrenaline hit your body and then cement legs 10 minutes after and that's when I managed to get my first kick and I was returning from an ACL, I was close to the boundary and I managed to kick it out on the full, uh, which was quite embarrassing for me but I got plenty of strong feedback from the Bulldogs fans, I was thinking, geez, who are these people? <laughs> so, um, I've never forgotten that. So, Lil, favourite moment across the first couple of years as a D? I think, yeah, round one as well. Um, obviously the excitement of that and then, don't know if you remember, but Casey round one, um, that that terrible thunderstorm came came over us and we were put in the change rooms because they called off the game for a short period of time and we came back out and the fans were still there. So they were all sort of sheltered under these tiny little makeshift whatevers to keep them dry. They were holding um, papers over their head just to see what they could do, but they... They stayed true and they supported us all the way through. So I think in that moment we thought that we were in for a genuine season and we had genuine support behind us. Yeah, so across the first two years you played in nine wins and your endearing memory is playing in a loss, <laughs> in a lightning storm. <laughs> and I think Melbourne kicked one goal that day. It's, yeah, we just kicked it, the it, one goal, but, you know, it, that's the uniqueness of this competition. It, Nothing is really conventional in our competition, and that's what I love about it. The, Scott, the fans of the competition have been put through a lot. They had not only that game at Casey in year one, yeah. but the match at Dremoyne last year between GWS and Carlton, where I think the makeshift media facilities got flooded as well. Yeah. Uh, you started your time as an assistant coach at Carlton in year one. What stood out about that opening night? Yeah, well, I'm um, a little bit more positive than early this morning. So. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, actually, I've got a, an endearing memory. Um, I was just thinking about it then. That uh, we had no idea that Icon was so full, and the coaches were all underneath in the Carlton rooms. And um, I remember it was time to go out. The players went out, and we followed. And we assumed the ground would be about half full. But as we as we got up the race, you could hear the roar, um, and it sort of took it because you obviously you're going from a crowd of 500 people into this 25,000 people screaming. And um, I was actually walking along the bench, along the boundary with assistant coach Jane Land, and. Um, yeah, and she she had, she had tears coming down, and I thought, oh wow, you know, it's She's like a big moment. She's gonna love that you said yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but she had like a a moment where she's so proud, and it's probably similar to Asta that have played in this competition that was really, you know, just local footy built up to something, and then into AFLW, and just made me sort of think to myself, wow, you know, how lucky and privileged I am to be a part of something that these people have grown. So um, yeah, that moment probably sticks in my in my mind. 
Lily might use the Jane story at training, given Jane's now, yeah. of course, part of Melbourne's coaching setup as well. I'll she's definitely bit, stitch her up with that one. Oh, thanks, she's for, a bit soft. thanks for that intel. Yeah. Maybe do it after selection <laughs> yeah. ahead of your match this weekend. This, uh, after round four, too. <laughs> there's so much new about the competition, and it, it seems to unfold that there's a new plank put down every single week. Season three, two new teams, new players, um, and so many other new things that we'll touch on a little bit later on. But, Scott, tell us what it's been like to try and build a new footy club at North Melbourne. Controversial? No, not really. It's been, <laughs> but it's been fine. It's, um, it's, it's actually a great experience, and I was very lucky to experience it at Carlton from a different perspective. So the way it happened, and it was the same with Melbourne and the Bulldogs and Collingwood, is that six weeks prior to really when you were start training, you were, you were expected to put all these cultures together, every, everything off-field, processes, um, facilities, the whole, the whole works. And um, it got done, but it got done with a bit of haste and there were some issues that all four clubs had with it. So um, it was kind of in a way, I suppose, a blessing for North to miss out, um, although disappointing, but we were able to um, have a really good run at it and get those things that didn't work right. And, um, and I reckon that um, Geelong are probably the same, that, that build in to building something um, has been a lot more beneficial. And I, I feel as though you know, culturally, um, I can tell a big difference from where the North girls are now to what Carlton were in year one. Um, they're just ready. And that's not from a coaching perspective, that's from a feeling perspective. And um, from talking with, with players I know at Geelong, it's, it's similar and no doubt Richmond and St Kilda, um, Gold Coast and West Coast will have that as well because they've got such a, a, a long run into the competition. And um, it's credit to the players that played in year one and the coaching staff and all the behind the scenes people that put that competition together in, in really such a short period of time. Extraordinary journeys across the competition, all your own stories and players that have come and gone, plus the staff that are working behind the scenes. But Scott, have you had a moment to consider that you're going to lead a, an AFLW club into their first match? And you know, seven or eight years ago, you're coaching at Outposts like Fountain Gate and Longwari. It's been yeah. quite, a, quite a trip. <laughs> don't forget Dymo, mate. Yeah, Dymo, Diamond Creek, Kiama, no, New South yeah, Wales. Yeah, no, all those. Um, not really, to be honest. I have now that you've mentioned it, but... Um, no, I just haven't had time, I think, to reflect at all. And it sounds odd, but because um, I travel up on the Monash and that's just no good each day, let me tell you. <laughs> but for that hour and 15, you're, you're really either making calls or you're, you're sort of stuck in the moment. Um, we, I talk to my players a lot about time and how significant and short a period of time it is. But even in life, you know, this moment that we've all got sharing now um, players will come and go next year and that's just the way the nature of the competition and the time that you've got together is so short that you've got to maximize it so i don't i'm not one to reflect at all but i think once i'm done and dusted which hopefully isn't in the next few weeks <laughs> i'll let you know um i'll reflect then but yeah it is a it is a special thing to to be a part of um but i as I said, and I, and I wasn't joking when I said it, I'm really grateful for the people that help build and give people like me this opportunity. Asta, you're part of the other chapter of expansion going on. One of the oldest clubs in the sport has now got its own women's team and they're going to start the season on Saturday night. You'll see that match here on Channel 7. We can't wait for Geelong and Collingwood. I'm sure you're the same. But what's it been like for you to, to move clubs and, um, and be part of building something after seeing what happened at the Bulldogs over the first couple of years? Yeah, when the opportunity arose uh, and post-season Geelong sort of sent through a note and I was actually quite shocked 
Um, I didn't think that a club would want a, a washed up old old <laughs> ruck like me. So it was a little bit flattering. And then I sort of thought, I don't want to be a two club player. I think you grow up in football, uh, and especially for me, I watched footy in the 90s, and it really was your club is your club, and, and loyalty is, is everything. Um, and I thought about it more, and I discussed it with different people, and it got to a point where I truly believe in opportunities for women and girls, and expansion is exactly that. So I thought I would be a little bit hypocritical if one of those opportunities came my way and, and I didn't take it. Um, I think for the competition to grow, we do need to spread the, the senior talent to ensure, like Scott was saying, that the cultures are built and experience is, is spread across the comp. Um, but, but being in Geelong and, and watching the way they've gone about it for two years in the VFL, the way they've been able to physically prepare their players, um, every player on that list knows what's expected of them from a physical point of view. Jeez, and they're fit. I'm just hanging on the back of that pack. <laughs> they are very fit. It's like watching evolution in front of your face. But such a strong TAC Cup uh, Geelong Falcons program as well. I think will really help help Geelong in the future of, of that club and, and the success there. Uh, but it's just, you know, to think to be at Cadinia Park or, or GMHBA, as it's known, on Saturday night and be part of something that will, will never happen again is really quite special. You were involved in your own move, but you were also privy to other moves that were going on and Emma Carney was a premiership teammate of yours at the Bulldogs and you had, a, I guess, a unique insight into what she was having to deal with. She was quite open that she'd had a lot of involvement with North Melbourne through their involvement with Melbourne Uni, which was her club, of course, in the, the VFL women's competition. But she um, revealed in the press across the course of the weekend that she told you and basically had told no one else that she was planning to leave North Melbourne. Um, yeah. Can you take us inside that and particularly what an amazing, I guess, show of trust and friendship from her to, to provide you with that information? Yeah, it's funny. Uh Emma and I would have had a lot of battles on the footy field playing at, at VFL level for Darabin and Melbourne Uni and I could not stand her <laughs> and I don't think uh, there was much love back the other way but I think through that sort of competition rivalry and then to become teammates and, and be a part of something at the Bulldogs, it really our bond really grew, we're, we're quite similar, um, we're very competitive um, but, but off field is off field, there is a, there is a line drawn for both of us. Um, so. I think, you know, speaking to Emma about it was, was really important that she had support. Uh, it's a tough decision. Um, you, you're thinking about everything and everyone uh, and going forward. But for me, in the moment that, that she was able to tell me, it was because I was her friend, not her teammate in that specific moment. But, you know, it just made the grand final all that more special, to be totally honest. Running out there with her, I knew it would be the last time um, that I got to play with Emma and... Um, you know, I think there was a moment I can remember where she tackled Caitlin Ashmore inside 50 and we kicked that goal and I knew I could see in her face and, and her body how much that meant to her so it's a strong sort of positive move forward for the competition I think if we look at American sport and, and English sport it happens often um, but for our sport here maybe it's something we'll progress to Geelong and North aren't scheduled to play each other unless, of course, you meet in the grand final. So you'll, Jeez, you'll have to park the rivalry. <laughs> That's I'd the plan. <laughs> She'd probably shark my taps. So we'll see. Well, Lil, we'll come to you. And you had an own move to contemplate. You grew up playing your footy at Newtown and Chilwell, which has been the, the incubator for a lot of the Geelong girls that will make their debuts on Saturday night. But it feels like you might have had some unfinished business to stay at Melbourne. Yeah, definitely. I had the opportunity to move down to Geelong and... Um, but saw that Melbourne was my club for now and absolutely loved my time there. I think um, just the relationships I've built over the last couple of years, um, I just couldn't leave those behind. Um, and there was just one of those things. I just wasn't ready to 
leave that club, there was yeah unfi unfinished business, as you said. We haven't quite um, done what we want to do, finished third the last couple of years, and I think we can uh, take the next step further in terms of footy sense. So um, I, I love where I'm at at the moment and can't see myself in any other colours other than red and blue for the time being. So, Liz, sorry, not just right. to cut you off. Lou, are you happy with who's taken on the number 14 in the hoops here? It's, um, it is pretty disappointing that someone of your calibre is taken <laughs> over the morning, but, um, Beautiful was... leading question. <laughs> I didn't know I should know yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, no, well... it feels good on the back. It feels like a little midget used to wear it. Yeah, I was going to say, does it fit? I'm stretching it out slowly, so... Is it, it feels good because you know that someone special's already worn it, or...? Yeah, Darren it? Flanagan. <laughs> Joel Selwood. No. Yeah. Well, I think what it was, Nige, they, they actually knew that that would be a Tier 1 car type of jumper yes. and it just went to Aston. Oh, not, really, so. good fit. not quite. Yeah, not quite. Yeah. Aston hasn't paid for a lot in Geelong. <laughs> carrying the little nickel card around town. Uh, list management impacts the competition in many different ways, but I think a new frontier is for Melbourne out DPS twins. Uh, it's going to change not only your club, probably the competition. We'll see Daisy in special comments on Saturday night for the Geelong and Collingwood match, but tell us about the coaching involvement she's had so far. Um, amazing to see someone barking instructions out on a track while the best part of 28 or 30 weeks pregnant. But again, one of the great things about this competition. She's just phenomenal and it's no surprise that Daisy's going to be the first one to fall pregnant in season, have twins and then hopefully return to the game. So um, she's just, yeah, she's loving it and she's, yeah, I think 34 weeks at the moment. So she's about ready to pop and we're pretty excited to have a couple of little ones running around. But as you said, she's had massive impact to the group um, despite not being out there on the track. So she's, uh, she's taken a bit of a first year mentor role on and then just uh, midfield coaching sort of assistant role as well. So she's been to every session so far. While we're out warming up, she's been swimming laps and walking on the treaty. So she's um, trying to keep nice and fit and healthy and do everything possible to get herself back ready for this time next year, which is, which is really exciting. And um, if she's able to achieve that, there's going to be a bloody good book that's going to come out of it. <laughs> <laughs> there's so much new about the competition, as we mentioned straight off the top, but the, the rules are a fascinating point for mine. Uh, we've seen them already impact the, the practice matches that were played and it, it appeared it's a small sample admittedly but scoring was up and the style of footy was as good as we've probably seen across the first couple of years of AFLW from a coach's perspective first Scott um, the AFL's mantra is one of the things they want to create is strategic tension amongst yep. the coaches and it looks like the rules, uh, the modifications yep. have done that so far. Absolutely and I, I felt um, in the practice match against Melbourne at Casey it, the scoring was quite free um, Hard to defend, but that I think that's great. It's it's interesting the tactics that the coaches will apply um, outside of a centre bounce. So when the ball's in play, you can potentially still throw a number back if you wanted to. But um, I found in the game against Casey that we were thinking and talking about it in the coaches' box from a, a strategic point of view. If that scenario came up in season, um, but we we kind of agreed that you're actually better to keep attacking because the players are already in the mindset to move the ball your way. So. Um, why not try and enhance that rather than go back into a defeatist type attitude? Um, so it's probably a tactic we won't use much during the season, but it's a it's an enjoyable game to coach because it's the the ball in the ball ups and and everything like that now with with um, particularly boundary throw-ins that come in everything's in the corridor, so it's really a corridor-based game. But 
ball movement wise what it actually does is opens up the space between the boundary line and the stoppage so players will particularly if they go backwards in a stoppage will actually use that space so you you're actually using the width and the length of the ground a lot more um, which chains of possessions now go up um, players are becoming better skilled so the whole the whole thing um, lifts and if we can improve the game from a scoring perspective it's a more more enjoyable game to play um, for future generations but it's also a more enjoyable game to watch and I'm just watching the vision from the other games, I enjoyed each one of them, so uh, I thought they were terrific. Do you think, Scott, that it makes, so for you guys, you've got probably one of the best trucks in a competition in Emma King. Yeah, besides yourself, yes. Uh, <laughs> but for, for Emma, the importance of, of, or for Kingy, the importance of yeah. her role, because having the six or the pairs inside the 50 now yeah. at centre bounce, I, I just think there's so much more space for the midfields to yeah, attack correct. in. So for someone like Kingy, who can just you know place exactly yeah. where your midfield want, it's it's a pretty important role for her. Yeah, it is, and and I think that's the key to it. Is it, the rucks actually become more um, their their actual craft of tap work becomes crucial because in the past, you know, if you look at the stats, um, champion data, you could actually lose the clearances and still win the game fine. Um, I'm not so sure this year. I think um, it, the the actual craft of getting that ball out of a centre bounce will. Um, scores from centre bounces will actually go up through the roof, um, particularly if you can have a midfield that it can actually play a bit of structure and um, and you know a little bit smarter. Um, if you've got a younger midfield, it might still be a little bit of get the ball and kick it, um, and it's a little bit easier to defend, but if you can get a player to actually take the grass through that space from the stoppage heading forward, um, and vice versa, if you put your, your ruck deep, that's, that's a, a powerful move as well. If you put your ruck deep and you can have a second ruck that can win the, the stoppage um, and get it to the midfield and off you go. So and I think that's that's great because there'll be a lot of quick scores and if you need to win a game, um, you're just behind, it's kind of a little bit easier to do that now. Asta, rucking and Lily as a midfielder, what have you seen the impact both in your practice match and training already of the boundary throw-in coming in 10 metres as well? I like it. I really like it. Um, I don't like it so much when you're defending on your half-back <laughs> line and you're right in that nice yeah. sweet spot to score at, at the top of the 50 there. But I guess that just means you need to get a bit inventive. Um, how are you going to sort of stop that run through uh, that particular dangerous space? But personally, I, I think it's, it's really good. What it does is, is a player who's switched on smart in the moment um, you know, you can set up just that, that bit quicker um, because I think players are still adjusting to it. Little midfields are still yeah, adjusting. Yeah. Um, and you can see that in the practice matches, the umpires were, were helping. I don't think that's going to happen come come round one. So you could get a little edge there too if, if you've got players who are, who are really switched on. So. And I think the other thing with uh, throw-ins now, the ruck can now take it out of the mm -hmm. contest and yeah. they no longer have got to get dispose of it before they're caught holding the ball. Yeah. So... For a ruck, we've got Loz Pierce, a strong, not as tall ruck. Sharp She's hands. Sharp yeah. hands. You yeah. can, yeah, she Mel just Downey, has, same thing. Yeah, yeah, similar. So I think that's going to be another interesting dynamic that um, the game will see. And yeah. um, it's uh, it's and especially inside 50 now, because the throw-ins also come inside mm -hmm. in 50 as well. So if you can get a strong, a strong key forward that can take ruck taps. Sabrina Frederick Troll. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's going to be one to watch. I think too, you also get a lot more one-on-ones ahead of the ball. Um, yep. So watching, you know, we played Carlton in a practice match, so Taylor Harrison a one-on-one, -on -one, 
you know, you can have a really strong defender on her, but she's a good player. She, she's going to take contested grabs, which are exciting in the crowd. If, yeah. if I was a young, well, when I was a young person watching footy, seeing those marks, were, mm. that's why you go to the game. Yeah. And I think we're going to see that a lot more. Yeah, Katie Brennan, same thing. You yeah. know, Bulldogs, she'll, she might have a, a ripping season just from that fact. Yep. Mm. It does feel as if the adjustments are going to allow individual talents to shine, which is mm. important for the competition on a number of levels, but to continue to showcase the unique talents that different players have. Scott, as a, as a coach, is that something you'll try and delve into your bag of tricks? North have yeah. assembled a list of players. That the magnets look very, very good, and if you can extract that talent, it should take the team a long way. Yeah, well, they don't give you four points for having a good <laughs> list, mate. But, <laughs> but um, no, nah, look, absolutely. And Jazzy Garner's a classic example of that. We've done a lot of work with um, her starting points, if you like. It centre bounces, um, stoppages all over, actually, because that... That ability to even halve the midfield, there's there's really, an, uh, I suppose, a, a tactic that you can use to get the players that can take a good, strong, contested mark into the game quicker. Um, then if they can handle and, and kick pretty accurately as well, it's, it's you know, you're really going 50, 70 metres down the ground straight away. Um, whereas, you know, stati statistically, most scores will come from turnovers in the game. Um, I actually think there'll be a massive shift in that this year with ball movement and I just can't wait to, to see what the girls can do. Um, so, so Scott, talking about North Melbourne and we've yep. all played in practice over the weekend so you call yep. your friends, who's going where, what's doing this sort of thing. Um, Abitangelo was a name that kept getting mentioned to us, just her pace yep. in that sort of, you know, yep. sort of 10 to 30 zone around the goals and, and her ability just to, to find the big sticks. It's pretty exciting for you yeah, guys. it is. And, and I was saying to, to Lil before um, we started that I'm most excited about those type of players. Ash Riddell's another one. Uh, that front and centre player going forward are critical to mm. your game. And Sophie um, is one of those players that just has this knack to read the ball and so clean at grabbing it. And she almost um, reminds me a little bit of a, a Darcy Vessio with the ability just to find space. Um, and you know they only need to get five or six possessions a game and they can kick one or two goals and that's job done. Um, and I find that I, I think there's quite a few players that are like that in the competition. And someone like even Cat Phillips, you know, if she can get front and centre coming off a wing, um, fantastic. Nina Morrison's another one down at Geelong. I mean, the, these. Who? <laughs> <laughs> we'll all know we her haven't name seen next her week. Yet. <laughs> nah. But they're players that, um, that can just read the ball well once it's over their heads and get to the fall of the ball. And um, it's, it's really valuable. And you know, I'm excited to see how that all pans out. Talking Footy podcast for 2019, previewing the NAB AFL Women's Competition season with Astro O'Connor, Lily Mithin, and Scott Gowans. And I reckon we've mentioned 25 names of players. <laughs> Doesn't it show, though, where the competition has gravitated to in just two seasons that we've got all these names and all these possibilities mm. to throw up? It's, it's hard not to get excited. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, yeah, look, for me, I think you will always have superstars of, of any sport, but the team that will go deep uh, into into the season is the team that gets the most out of their, you know, player 16 to, to 25. Yep. Um, we know injuries happen in this competition and, and, and in sport. So I know that was the strength of the Bulldogs last season. Um, so so names that we may not have heard yet, Nige, they're, they're going to become sort of, you know, some of the household stories. So really looking forward to that. New structure for the competition, something we haven't really seen in Australian rules football before. Conferences, so 10 teams split into two conferences. There'll be 
every team playing three cross-conference games, but there'll be teams you will not play. We've mentioned already that North and Geelong won't face off. Yeah, in is that why you got us into? <laughs> yeah, I think we're, it's, uh, things are all well. very nice <laughs> and neutral, but it, it may come that way. Uh, how will that impact the way you watch the footy this season? You'll take a natural interest in all the teams, but there are some games that are going to mean a lot more than others in terms of what impacts your conference ladders. Yeah, I, I actually... Um, to, to be totally honest, I've sort of just looked at our draw. Um, I know that might be a narrow view, but I, in footy, for me personally, you can't worry about too many things. Um, so I'm just sort of looking at what, what Geelong have got and what will happen will happen. Um, I believe in the footy gods. So, <laughs> But I think the conferences adds another layer of, uh, of interest, especially for fans and, and supporters of clubs. Um, who knows where we'll land in seven, eight weeks' time. It's exciting. You believe in the footy gods for good reasons because you've played in more premierships than <laughs> most families have collectively. <laughs> yeah, oh, <I'm> lucky. Yeah. <laughs> lucky. <laughs> yeah, lucky. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's very good. Lil, what's it like for, for you and Melbourne, for your structure of the conference and how you think it unfolds? Yeah, I'm probably pretty similar to Aster in, in that sense. Um, I just pretty much know that we don't play Geelong, we don't play Carlton. And um, we've got free on round one. So, um, but yeah, I don't think it changes a whole heap of things. Um, I just sort of know that we'll, we'll have an opponent every week, and if you beat them, you hopefully make finals, and then you go from there. So, have you guys got the Perth Alice back to back again, or not? no Perth Alice back to back ten days <laughs> trip? Brutal. Um, that was brutal. That was a bit brutal. Um, but I guess it was good bonding time. One would mm. say. Um, Who'd you room with? I got Kate Hoare for the majority That's of the right. trip. She's a good um, player. Yeah, yeah, she's going to have... Did you teach her or she just came like that? She's she just came like that. She played uh, footy with Jaden Hunt back yep. in the day, so okay. maybe okay. We'll, we might give it to him. But um, she can, can seriously go. Can I just say too, on the Melbourne list, there's a lot of... I saw Maddie Guerin yesterday just down yep. having a kick and a lot of you have long, luscious ponytails. You're very hard to tell apart. Yeah, um, I've cha- I went from the bun to the ponytail mm. this season. Yeah. Um, Sorry, we've completely digressed. <laughs> These are all important topics. <laughs> they stuff. are indeed. <laughs> um, yeah, a lot of us been working on our tans, <laughs> and we've got the uh, long ponytail. So yeah. Wait till we it's get to bobby thing. pins. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no bobby pins in AFLW. I don't think that's no, an issue no in the way. men's. No. Has no. there been a memo from uh, league headquarters around <laughs> what is and isn't allowed from a headwear point of view? Yeah, you only allowed those actually, little yeah. snap clips. Yeah. Uh, no bobby pins. I don't have to worry about it. No. <laughs> if there was no hairspray allowed, I'd be in trouble. So that's a good thing. <laughs> Talk talent and new players. We've mentioned some established names that we've very quickly become familiar with, but the excitement of the new wave. We sat in this very podcast 12 months ago, Lillian spoke about the possibilities of what new players coming in could provide. And we had Monique Conti star on grand final day in just one of her first games, and she was awarded the best on grand medal. And it seems again... Now that the, the pathway structured, uh, these girls have had two years of AFLW to aspire to, that they're ready to come in. Might start with you, Asta, given you play a significant role in the AFL Women's Academy pathway, um, coaching and mentoring a lot of these players coming through. Seems like the latest batch that's got their opportunity through the NAB AFL Women's Draft are going to have another immediate impact. Yeah, it was a deep draft. Uh, Nigel you and I were there on, on draft day, and the talent sort of, you know, from pick one right out to 50 odd it, it's a really sort of deep pool in, in my opinion and I think we'll see that um, permeate throughout the, the competition but watching the players at Geelong and the way they've been able to, to come in and just get to work 
uh, I think, you know, because you don't have long to adjust. You're in and you're away. So, and, and Scott, you could probably talk to that yeah, with Daisy Bateman. I mean, yeah. wow. You can just watch her, some things that she does and just go, jeez. Yeah. We know, though, that they're young players yeah. and experience w will make them better as they go. But imagine what they're going to be like in yeah. five years' time. Yeah, yeah. That's, that excites me. Yeah, um, I think it's a credit to, and not just saying it because she's sitting there, but to Aster and, and also the national coaches that are... They've just got these players um, in a spot where they can impact. Maddie Presparkas, she's my tip probably for the rising star. I think she's a, a superstar. But they, they've all had this education of how to play senior footy, um, which is is a little bit mental as well as actual physical as well. Um, they get a bit of an education in that in the VFLW, but also in, in the programs that Asta runs. It, it's it's really um, it's really good grounding for them and that, and that will now start to flow on all the time and I think players will in the next couple of years be able to come in and actually impact the competition quite quickly which might make it harder for, for the guys that have been there a little bit but uh, but yeah it's it's a great spot and it'll be interesting to see where the talent maybe the talent pool might swap from coming mainly VFL it might actually be the TAC Cup the breeding ground where they come from similar to the men's program um, I don't know it's it's an interesting space but uh yeah, it's a credit to these people that work in that, that area. Lil, you were a bit of a pioneer for girls playing footy in Geelong. You played amongst the boys at Newtown, and then we've seen the rise of the youth girls competition down there. The Geelong Falcons won the, the TAC Cup Girls Premiership, and suddenly Nina Morrison and, and Denby Taylor and players like that are going to get their opportunity to, to pull on the hoops in front of their hometown crowd on Saturday night. It speaks volumes for what footy in the town's like. Yeah, Geelong footy just went gangbusters in Geelong at really came from nowhere. I was a 14-year-old playing my last year of boys footy and thinking I was going to have to pull on a netball skirt to stay at the footy club and um, just hang around and play sport and then there was a girls league that started and then it's it's gone from there so that was only five or six years ago where I was thinking I was playing netball because I lived in Geelong um, and now there's you know Geelong Falcons, there's competitions from under 12s, under 9s to all the way to under 18s to senior level competition in Geelong. So it's uh, it's definitely come a long way and that's happened all across Australia, which is why I think so much talent is coming through these pathways and um, and the competition is only going to get better from that. So it is super exciting. But yeah, I, got, I was lucky to play with uh, Demi Taylor and Liv Purcell and a few girls that will pull on the hoops this weekend. And it's, uh, it's really exciting for those girls. But yeah, I also feel that sort of sense of pride that got to run around with them in uh, in the Bombers colours uh, only a few years ago. <laughs> so it's interesting, Nige, yeah. you know that you're getting older on a list when, so we talked to Liv, <laughs> talk Liv Purcell, she comes into training, comes into the cattery and I said, oh, what have you been doing, what have you been up to today, mate? She's like, oh, I went for a surf for a few hours. <laughs> that would exhaust me. <laughs> the day of training, she's out for a surf, I'm thinking, oh gosh, it's one or the other for yeah, me, you can't yeah. do both. But it's great, the, the, they're so vibrant and so... Just the, I guess, the enthusiasm that, that they bring to the place. Yeah. So I'm sure all lists are, are like that with the younger players coming through. And they're not yet aware of just how good they are, yeah. um, which I, I think they're very humble. Um, and that's something for me that I, you know, we talk about the programs, that, that we, the education, it's it's about humility. It's mm. it's not a right to play AFLW. You certainly earn it. Um, and the game isn't always good to everyone. There's lots of players who don't make it onto lists. So what opportunities are, are there for them? And the competitions that Lil mentioned, the state league comps, the underage comps, you know, it's a game for everyone. In that's, you know, personally, that's what I think. 
opportunities for players to come across from other sports has been very apparent as well. Renee Gehring's a teammate of yours who was a star of netball in Geelong. <laughs> And then she's decided to come across and play footy and has had a pretty solid impact as well. Lil Shay Sloan, um, she might quickly go from being Rory's sister to Rory being Shay's brother. That's her plan. Expecting her to do some (laughs) good things coming from volleyball. And then we're seeing the impact that a lot of the Irish players had last year with Cora Staunton at GWS and Sarah Rose already making some significant waves at... Collingwood, uh, again, there seems to be another exciting chapter of players coming through. We might start with what you've seen at, at Geelong in your time so far. Well, I mean, I watched North Melbourne build their list. I can't believe you let Danny Orr through. Sean Higgins' sister. Yeah, How did you miss her? <laughs> no, we didn't miss her. It was, it was a conversation <laughs> had. <laughs> She's a very special yeah. player. Uh, again, a, a netballer yeah. um, coming through. But I think for mine, what it does is it opens up for, for young people just more opportunities. Uh, and that's what sport's all about. So... You know, I'll go head-to-head with potentially Shani Layton, who's an Australian goalkeeper. Um, never in my wildest dreams did I think that would be something I'd do on a football field this coming weekend. So that type of thing, it's, you know, it's really interesting and, and to watch how they go. I have so much admiration for players that, that cross over. I couldn't imagine going and playing another sport at the elite level. I would have no idea what I'm doing, especially basketball, soccer. I would be fouled out straight away, I reckon. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's quite admirable the way they're able to come over and have yeah, I agree with that. We've got Georgia Nanskawa and you know, Hockey Rude, 200 games for Australia. And she, I was sitting there last night going through her IDPs with her and I said, how good's this? You, know, you were talking about you running to different areas on the ground. It's not kicks, marks, handballs because she's kind of ticked that box already. She can do, she's actually built her game up um, to, to get to that point now where we're actually talking about positioning on the ground. And that's in just such a short space of time. And um, But what they think they do bring is they actually bring something to your program from an elite training aspect and you know, Georgia ticks every boxes food wise dietary wise yeah, all that sort of stuff she's always at the club doing extras and vision and asking questions and um, the other thing that they do is they drive standards so if they notice that there's a something not quite right that they'll speak up straight away and um, again it's part of that development for the younger players that have been just through the AFL system mm. um, to almost sort of see what it's like at the elite, elite level so I um, Jesse Williams is another one from Tasmania, soccer um, comes in. Still got some some way to go with it with their football, but develops so quickly they just get it. And um, yeah, they they bring something that's um, very special and unique to AFLW. You yep. spoke about sorry, Lil, but you spoke about time, Scott, in your season launch speech last week, and said you'll have forty eight hours of actual training time yeah, with track. your players from the start of preseason to round one. Mm-hmm. So you get a player who's either had a limited exposure to AFL or none whatsoever. How much time do you actually have to invest in the basic building blocks of skill development with that player to give them the tools required, yep. kicking, marking, handling the footy, yep. to hopefully get to AFLW standard? Yeah, there's a, there's a bit of a myth going around that it's 10,000 hours, but it's, it's not. It's, it's the type of training that you, um, you give the player that almost gets them to build their own skills. So I found it... Um, Year one at Carlton, we had such limited time, and Kate Darby was a classic example. It, it saw this, you know, this athlete of a person. Just she's just got it, and then, but her kicking was a little bit off. But she would work and work and work. But you couldn't actually spend the physical time with her. But what you could do is get her to video herself do it. So she'd come in and she'd show you the video, and you'd work on certain aspects of it. But it has to be athlete driven, and 
but it's got to be at athlete driven in that they've got to know what they're doing. So it's more teaching the, the right way to do it, the right tools to how they kick, because sometimes Kate Gillespie-Jones is a classic example, her ball drop is out of this world, but there's no point changing it. It's, it's more about the mechanics of it and getting it better to what she's got. Um, and I think the cross-code athletes are a little bit similar. So you, you've got to, they've got to have that mindset that a lot of those hours have got to be done by themselves, but they can come in and check in with you and you can correct them through that. So your actual one-on-one time is not that much, but because it's so player-driven. Lil, we mentioned Shay Sloan before. She had played some football with Upway Tacoma before embarking on a very successful time in volleyball. How's her transition back to footy gone? Yeah, well, it's been quite phenomenal. I was just thinking she just slotted in so well, and I was like, this girl has come. She's got really no idea about footy. She hasn't played in so long, and then she's just come in and hit the ground running. And then you think about it, she's been an elite athlete. She's captain the Australian volleyball team. Like, of course, she's going to step in, make immediate impact with, you know, the breadth of experience she's already had. Mind you, different sport, but just her leadership qualities that she's been able to bring to our team and just how well she's fit in. I think you touch on the training standards that these mm. elite athletes bring and that's it's exactly what she's brought to our team. So uh, her skills have yeah come a long way. She was fortunate enough to be part of our KCVFL program in the off season, so had a bit of a head start um, prior to pre-season. But yeah, she's, uh, she's gonna be a really crucial part of our back line and um, I'm really excited to see what she can do. She's, yeah, she's got a little bit of a battle with Rory at the moment, and uh, <laughs> they're all trying to fight to be mum and dad's favourite child, so she'll put her best foot forward, that's for sure. She got her brother's attack on the footy? Yeah, definitely, yeah, yeah comes forward to defend hard, so I'm looking forward to a few big spoils from behind and uh, taking the game on, so she'll be an exciting one to watch. As we wrap up and look ahead to an exciting round one and the competition going on its journey for the third season, where do things potentially sit in 12 months' time if, if you had a, a bit of a crystal ball? But I suppose, not dreaming so much, but in, in practical terms, where do you think the competition can be 12 months from now when we've got another four teams coming in? Ooh, good question. I don't know. Four teams come in, us as players and I assume coaches and um, everyone else want it to be a longer season. I just don't know how they're going to logistically make that work. It's really difficult for... AFL clubs to house two teams or three teams with VFL as well so I just don't know how logistically that works with staff crossing over and pretty much them working 12 months of the year. I think the time slot we currently play in is a really good window but how do we extend that to make it um, in a prime time where people are going to be able to see us and we're exposed to a larger audience. I think if I had my way I would love to play in the summer. I think start after the men's season sort of wraps up and play through till about now. I think that'd be a great way to play it. I just don't think that'll probably ever happen, given we do play winter sport. But these are sort of ideas that us us as clubs have sat down and sort of discussed with the AFLPA and sort of thrown up all these different ideas. So it's going to be... I've got no idea sort of where the AFL stand on where this competition's going and what it's going to look like as the landscape change, but it will be interesting. So, say, let's put fixturing and length of season and those things to side. The actual, for want of a better word, the product, what do, you, what do we think that can potentially look like in 12 months from now? Knowing the talent that's coming, it's going to look pretty good. 
Um, and for me, when you see these young players and their state jumpers at national carnivals, and then six months later they're pulling on a Carlton Guernsey or a Fremantle Guernsey or a Lions Guernsey, that they're putting those colours on, and you know that they're going to be long-standing sort of role models in our game going forward and potential future captains. And the thought of that, the dreaming aspect that comes with that for me is is really um, it's it's quite special. Uh, I'm sure you're the same. Yeah, it's got players absolutely. that you've you've dealt with in yep. their in their junior pathway, yeah. boys and girls. I'm sure it's something that yep. that we look at. But I think I, I'm not sure how many teams where it's going to get to. But why put a ceiling on it? What, what can't we do? I think we've already proven that, you know, the men's competition had a 100-year head start at the elite level. We're three years into a, a pretty long journey, I hope, um, and who knows where mm. we could get to. I'm a bit like that too, Astor. I think it's, yeah, why put a ceiling on it? I, I just feel that um, there's a really good um, base to what we've got so far. Expansion obviously hurts the talent pool a little bit because it, it drags the... But there's enough resources now at clubs to, I feel anyway, to bring up the player that's going to be at the bottom end of the list. They're going to get so much development and sometimes you're actually better to be tested, put into an environment where you know that you're actually not going to be in the top 10 because you learn more. And those players, and I think what players are, are very good at at the moment is, and particularly these guys sitting here, is they, they, the leaders in your club will drive that learning for players that come into the competition. So you, know, you might have an under 18 girl that two years wouldn't have got drafted that will next year with the expansion but yeah okay she's maybe not quite up to standard but she will be within six months because they'll be driven by these people sitting here to learn all those aspects of the game and I'm, I'm really excited with Richmond St Kilda coming in and you know we obviously as, as a, a, an existing club then in next this time next year will um, have some of our players go to these expansion clubs but that's healthy for the competition it's where I think we're all at in this industry, and um, as long as as long as it's done with a, a the aspect to protect the product um, from a uh, I suppose a supporter view, um, I've got no problem with it. No length of seasons and things like that will just naturally happen by people that make those decisions. And um, I reckon it's really exciting to to see, particularly Richmond. I mean, Richmond's supporter base is so big. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. There could be all sorts of things that that happen with with that. That's really exciting. So yeah, footy at Punt Road in summertime yeah. has a nice feel yeah. to it. Uh, you're all rivals, but there is a overwhelming sense of a, a collective um, push, and that there's a lot of collaboration between the clubs, the players, the coaches, and everyone else involved to continue to bring it forward, which is unique. Given um, for four quarters every weekend, you're trying to steal the points from your opposition but ultimately everyone's pushing in the same direction do you, do you find that to be unique in some respects uh in, in some ways yes but the game means a lot to a lot of people and and whether you're you know involved working at a club or playing at a club i think the game means a lot to the supporters who go every weekend as well and without them you know what what is our game um, but i think unique to aflw is that um, lily and i have played together um, you know, Scott and I, he's, he's coached against me, uh, in, you know, in lots of games. So y you have interconnections uh, prior to AFLW beginning. So there's a level of respect and, and understanding that, that this is a really great thing. And sort of go back to what I said earlier, that more opportunities for women and girls is exactly why the AFLW began. Uh, numerically here in this state, in Victoria next year, there's 90 spots on lists. That's a lot of opportunities for young women and girls. So... That can only be a good thing in my eyes. 
Very exciting, guys. Uh, can't wait for the weekend. If, here at 7, we've got two games to look forward to. Geelong and Collingwood opening the season from 6.30pm on Saturday night, followed by Adelaide hosting the defending premiers in the Western Bulldogs. Uh, Scott, North Melbourne head to Tasmania for their, their opening mm. match in their history. We wish you so much luck for that. And Thanks, we'll see you on 7 across the, the rest of the season. And to Lil, as Melbourne continue to build on what's been a really successful first couple of years in the competition to try and take things another step forward, we head to Vic Park. Park in round two, footy returning to Victoria Park and Collingwood and Melbourne and hopefully pristine conditions on a Saturday afternoon will be really good. So good luck for your season. Thanks, Nudge. And Asta, hopefully the Westgate Freeway will be kind <laughs> over the next few days in the lead into a big night at GMHBA Stadium on Saturday night and another uh, great chapter in not only the competition, the history of the Geelong Footy Club, but also your career. So thanks so much for your time. Oh, thanks, Nudge. Do you reckon we can get 30,000 down at Cadinia? We can do it. Possibly. Yeah. If you can't get there, make sure you tune in on 7 anywhere around the country from GMHBA Stadium. 6.30 Saturday night, as we said, Daisy Pearce will be joining us on the coverage as well. We look forward to having her insights as well. So, big season, NAB AFL Women's Competition is back for 2019. Hope you've enjoyed the Talking Footy podcast to kick things off for the year. We'll hear from you again very soon. We're talking footy.